Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly podcast from Gaimia Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Mark Rader, Senior Pastor here at GBC, and I hope that you are available to hear the invitation of Jesus today. In today's message, Belinda Lakeland, our Evangelism Coordinator here at GBC, contemplates the way Jesus changes the lives of two daughters and the lessons we can learn. One of our desires as a community of faith is to make disciples, and it's important that we don't just listen to sermons, but that we seek to apply what we hear. To that end, we have a simple discipleship menu that accompanies each sermon. The menus are a selection of activities that you can engage in on your own, with a friend, or even in a small group to put this message into practice in your life. You can download the menu from our website, gamiabaptist.org.au, under the Next Steps tab. Good morning. The Bible reading for today is in Luke 8, 40 through 56. And in the NIV, um, the heading for this particular section is, Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were expecting, they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, I know, That power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Good morning, everybody. Hello to my friends online. Hello to the people in the building. It's lovely to be here. They say that there are two things that you should never talk about, and they are religion and politics. Thank you. There are some people here. Uh, But I think I could add a third thing to that list, and that third thing is certain health conditions. There are just certain health conditions that we don't seem to talk about. Take, for example, bowel cancer. Bowel cancer is one of the most commonly diagnosed new forms of cancer in Australia, but we struggle to think about it, let alone talk about it. 
In fact, it's so hard uh, to get us to talk about it, they actually started an ad campaign. I'm not sure if you remember it, but it said, you don't need to tell people you're having a colonoscopy, just go and do it. Maybe you have a health condition that you find difficult to talk about. Maybe you have an illness where some of those symptoms are things you can't really tell your friends. Maybe you've cared for another adult and part of that caring experience isn't something you feel like you can discuss over the dinner table. Right now, probably half the people listening to this have a condition or at least um, have lived with something that they can't discuss. And I know because I'm one of those people. You see, I'm female. And that means that since I've been a teenager, I've been managing a menstrual cycle. And that is not something we talk about. I don't think in all my life I've ever shared with a man what it's like for me to have a period. And I've certainly never discussed it publicly. <laughs> so, <laughs> you'll be happy to know, after careful consideration, I'm still not going to do that this morning. <laughs> that would be awkward, wouldn't it? I mean, it's really not something we talk about. That may have been the first time you've heard the word period in church. I think some of you would probably prefer I talk about colonoscopies. <laughs> You know, it's part of our story today, but we dance around it. You know, even when I was reading the commentaries, the male commentators kept referring to our woman in the story as the hemorrhaging woman. Look, I'm not a medical doctor, but Google tells me that if she was hemorrhaging, she'd be dead in minutes. She'd be lucky to live for hours, let alone 12 years it's far more likely that her problem is abnormal uterine bleeding. She has a long, difficult, extensive period that's impacting her life. And if we find it difficult to talk about, imagine what it's like for her to live with it. And I say that knowing that half of you probably can't imagine what it's like for her to live with that. <laughs> but women... I mean, I think we have some idea. We either know firsthand or we've heard from our sisters and girlfriends and mothers and daughters what it's like to live with a period. We know how embarrassing and exhausting and expensive and emotional it is to have this as part of our life. And this is a modern day where we have modern day medicine, we have iron supplements, and we have liters and liters of ice cream. We have all of this to help us cope. This poor woman had nothing. I mean, Luke tells us she tried to get healing. She tried everything and everyone. No one could help her. She's literally having life ebb from her. And she can't get help. She must be sick. But it would be impacting other parts of her life as well. Luke actually doesn't tell us a lot about this woman, but Mark gives us this one little detail. He says that she spent all that she had trying to get well. And that's an interesting detail because not only does it tell us how desperate she is to get better, that she spends all of her resources trying to find a cure for this illness, but that she probably didn't have family. 
You see, in ancient Israel, it would be quite unusual for a woman to be in control of her finances. In that society, it's a patriarchal society, so households were managed by fathers and husbands and brothers. So the fact that she's able to spend funds on herself probably says she didn't have someone taking care of her and she wasn't responsible for taking care of someone else. So the parents have died. She's either unmarried or divorced, no brothers. And you can imagine with that condition, potentially no children. So not only is our woman really sick, she's poor and potentially without family. She really is the bottom of that society. So maybe you can't imagine what it's like to have a period. But maybe you can imagine what it's like to have health conditions you can't talk about or to not have family or to have fertility problems or be struggling financially. Her situation really is hopeless and she's desperate. But today we're going to hear how Jesus changes her life. But to consider how Jesus changes her life, we're going to need to consider two stories. Because the way Luke hands down this woman's story, he actually bookends it with the story of Jairus. Jairus is somebody else who is desperate and needs Jesus And we need these two stories together. I think Jairus actually needs to learn from the woman and the woman needs to learn from Jairus. And we're going to learn from both as we walk through this story. So the story opens with Jesus arriving in a town and a a crowd coming to welcome Jesus. And, And through this crowd, Jairus is able to come. If our unnamed woman is the bottom of society, well, Jairus, he's the top. He's a man that helps. He has a family, and he has an important job. He's the synagogue leader, which really places him at the center of that town's religious life. So he's able to come up to Jesus, but he's not there for himself. He's there to advocate for somebody else, his daughter. His little girl, his 12-year-old girl, isn't just sick, but she's dying. And and Jairus' desperation, coming and kneeling before Jesus and pleading with Jesus to come to his house, that tells us how much Jairus loves his little girl. He can't imagine life without her. So he's willing to cast aside his reputation, to humble himself, to kneel before Jesus. He's doing whatever he can to get help for his little girl. And of course, Jesus goes with him. But we know that there are two people there that day who are desperate. Jairus is there, but the woman is there as well. The crowd doesn't seem to part in the same way for the woman to make it to Jesus. So she's going to have to figure out how to do that. Now, when you think about the crowd, don't think some sort of socially distanced gathering. That's not what's happening. Think pre-pandemic. Think mosh pit. Think Boxing Day sales. Think town hall station at 8.30 a.m. in the morning. I've been there. It's terrifying. The crowd isn't just there. It's pushing in against you. The word that Luke actually uses to describe the crowd is choking. And if you're thinking that's an unusual word to describe a crowd, you would be right. It is an unusual word. In fact, it's only used twice 
And the other time in Luke's gospel is by Jesus. Just before Jesus comes to that town, it's just a few verses earlier in Luke, he tells a story. It's a short story about how people respond to the word of God. And he says that there are some people that hear the word of God, they express some sort of faith, but then life's worries and riches and pleasures come and choke out that faith. And Luke uses that very word just a few verses later to see the crowd is choking Jesus. Why might he do that? Well, I think he's sort of saying this woman is living out this story. I mean, she has faith. She believes that Jesus can heal her. But is that crowd going to choke out her faith? Because it's hard for her to get to Jesus. Is she going to put her faith into action? Is she going to just stand there as Jesus walks by and think, well, that's too hard? Well, we know the answer, don't we? She's going to get to Jesus. And when I imagine this, what I imagine is those romantic sort of comedy movies where somebody has just foolishly let the love of their life go and their love of the life is about to catch an aeroplane and now they have to get to the aeroplane. But they've got the airport crowd to deal with and they're elbowing and pushing their way through that crowd. They need to get to the gate. And that's what this woman has to do to get to Jesus. She's got to push her way through this crowd. She's going to fight to get to Jesus. She can see him. If she could just, just touch him, that's all it will take. Just to touch and she would be healed. And somehow she gets there. She gets close enough to just touch his garment. And instantly, she feels through her whole body that she's made well. Her bleeding stops. And that really should be the last we hear about our woman. She should be able to stand there just enjoying that freedom, that release. And the crowd should continue to jostle along on the way to Jairus' house. But the crowd stops around her. Because Jesus has stopped. And Jesus asks possibly the craziest question you could ask in a mosh pit, who touched me? I mean, everybody denies and it wasn't me, was it you who touched him? Peter points out the obvious, who didn't touch you? I mean, everybody is pushing in. But Jesus insists. Jesus can tell the difference between a crowd that is pushing in and a touch of faith. He knows that power has come out from him and he's going to make space for that person to be able to show their faith. So Jesus asks again, who touched me? And he waits. And it's now we learn how strong and courageous this woman really is. Her body language gives her away. She's trembling. She's afraid. But she still comes forward. You know, often we think courage is not feeling any fear at all. But courage is really being able to do the right thing, to say the right thing, even when you feel afraid. What is the woman afraid of? I'm not sure, to be honest. I think she has valid reasons to feel afraid. 
Maybe she's not sure how Jesus will respond. I mean, she just came and took healing from him. Maybe she was supposed to come up and and plead like Jairus did. Maybe she's afraid of Jairus. I mean, Jairus is an important person in the town. She's a nobody, and and she's interrupted this parade that was going to Jairus' house. Maybe she's afraid of the crowd. I didn't tell you this, but one of the other parts of living with her condition is that she actually is unable to attend the temple to worship. And everything and everyone she touches also becomes temporarily unable to go to the temple to worship. So perhaps the crowd, when they realized that it was her that was pushing through and touching them all, wouldn't respond so kindly to her. But whatever it is, maybe a combination of all three, this woman is still able to come forward. And she trusts Jesus. She tells him her story. She tells him everything that she's been through, why she's there, and what happened when she touched him. And Jesus hears her story and commends her faith. He says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And I think it's really important that we take a moment to understand what Jesus has just said. Because you might think Jesus is some kind of hippie guy who goes around calling everyone son and daughter and wishing them peace. It's actually not the case. This is a pretty unusual thing for Jesus to say. In fact, the uh, your faith has healed you, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Jesus only says that twice. Once to this unnamed woman and another time to another unnamed woman. If you've been following along in this series, we talked about her a few weeks ago. We called her the forgiven woman, the woman who had a large amount of sin forgiven by Jesus, and she shows up at Simon the Pharisee's house and ends up sort of publicly anointing Jesus. Jesus commends her. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. These two people... One with a mountain of sin, the other with a mountain of pain. Both come to Jesus in an unconventional, probably awkward fashion, and they're the ones that Jesus commends. You know, I just don't think there's a right way to come to Jesus. I think what matters is you get there, that you don't let anything choke out your faith. There's no right clothes to wear, no right prayer to pray, no right church to attend. Just come to Jesus. He'll commend your faith. That's what he does here with this woman. But he does even more than that. Because the first thing he says to her is unique. He calls her daughter. And this is the only time Jesus directly addresses someone as daughter. And I think that makes that especially important. And I think this is where the woman is supposed to learn from Jairus. You see, how did the story open? Well, it opened with Jairus coming to Jesus. Why? Because his daughter is loved. His daughter is valued. His daughter is wanted. This is what it means to be a daughter. It means that there is someone there, a father, who will take care of you, someone who will advocate for you and do whatever they can 
to make sure that you get the help that you need. This is what it means to be a daughter. And everything that is true of Jairus' daughter is now true of this woman who had to come to Jesus on her own. But she made it there and Jesus adopts her. You know, she may not have an important father like Jairus, but now she has Jesus, the one that Jairus kneeled before. Jesus will be the one who advocates for her. Jesus will be the one who, who takes care of her and knows what she needs. Jesus will be the one who loves her no matter what. And that's really how Jesus changes lives. She came to Jesus for healing, and rightly so. But she gets so much more than that. She gets Jesus. She gets loved. She gets wanted. Can you imagine what that felt like? But as Jesus is saying these words, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Jairus gets the terrible news that his own daughter has died. And now it's time for Jairus to learn from the woman. Jairus, the man with everything, needs to learn from the woman with nothing, but who gained everything. And how did she gain it? By not letting fear choke out her faith. You see, Jairus is also told, don't bother the teacher anymore. It's a hopeless situation. What's he going to do? Well, Jairus gets a little bit of help from Jesus. Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. In other words, be like my daughter. Don't let this choke out your faith. Believe, trust me. And so Jairus is going to face his own crowd. He's going to walk back to his house with people weeping and wailing. Jesus saying she's not dead, she's just asleep, and people laughing. Well, that's ridiculous. Is this going to choke out Jairus' faith? Well, it doesn't. He doesn't allow it to either, does he? he? He takes Jesus to his daughter, and Jesus raises her. Jesus, who is able to heal people accidentally in a crowd, is able to raise this girl just like she is asleep. This is really a story about two daughters. Two daughters who are loved and wanted, and two daughters who are healed and restored. Two daughters who have their lives changed by Jesus. And if you would like this morning, this could actually be a story about three daughters or two daughters and a son. You can put yourself in this story. Because everything that is true for those daughters can be true for you as well. If you're willing to express faith, if you're willing to come to Jesus, then Jesus can change your life. You can have your life changed by his love. You can be valued and wanted, taken care of by Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you think you're like the woman or whether you think you're like Jairus or some sort of combination of both. Male, female, rich, poor, healthy, unhealthy, well-connected, no connections. Come to Jesus. Jesus is the one who changes lives through his love, 
by adopting you into his family. The one who can raise people from the dead wants you to have life with him. But it's up to you. Are you going to work your way through the crowd? Jesus is waiting. I'm going to pray a very short prayer. I have said there's no right prayer to pray. This is not the prayer to pray, but I'm going to pray a prayer. And if this morning you would like to express your faith in Jesus, if you would like to come to Jesus and and know his love, then you can say amen at this end of this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you that you change lives. Thank you that you wait. You don't just rush off, but you've created space for us to be able to come to you and that you will accept our faith and trust no matter how awkward that it looks. Lord, I I pray right now that you'd help us to know your love, that we would know how valued and wanted we are. And for each person who is hearing this message right now and thinking that they want to come to you and express their faith, I ask that you would especially speak to them and they would know how you answer this prayer and how they can have a relationship with you. Lord, change their lives. Be very real in their lives right now. In the name of Jesus. Once again, we see that Jesus honors faith and that there's no single way to come to him. And when we do come to him, he calls us daughter or son. Don't let anything choke out your faith this week, but come to Jesus. Don't forget to check out the discipleship menu for this sermon and to join us for the big three this week. This midweek podcast is another way we hope to apply what we have heard. This week, Matt, Jess, and I will be unpacking three questions raised by the sermon you just heard. One of which is exploring the relationship between faith and healing. If you'd like to take your next faithful step in your discipleship, make sure to download and subscribe to The Big Three everywhere you listen to podcasts. We'd also love for you to join us for one of our services this weekend. You can join us on Friday at 10 a.m., Sunday mornings at 9.30, or in the evening at 6. Our 9.30 a.m. service is live streamed, and we'd love for you to join us online at www.gbconline.org.au. Thanks for listening and hope to hear you soon. God bless.